When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And uh, welcome back after the international break, which I hate with a passion. And we're here to celebrate a Yaya Toure brace against Palace and a 2-1 win. And to help me do that, I've got Steve Cox, Lisa Rabinowitz and Dave Hodgson. Hello. And they're rather quiet, but Good they evening. won't be. Good evening. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, Dave. How are you? Not bad at all. Yourself? You're wearing a red tie. I'm not happy about that. We have no red around this table. So that is the last time you will wear this on this podcast. Oh, red chair, red it microphone, red tie. Awake, get inspired. Okay. Uh, well, should we start then with uh, the amazing Yaya Torre? And you can kick off, Dave. You're wearing red. Yaya Torre, what a man. We love him. I'm gobsmacked. I was incredibly surprised and angered, I'll be honest, to see him on the team sheet. I had to eat a substantial amount of humble pie thereafter. Um, but no, he was... It's like a new signing. He, he he has something our other midfield players don't. I don't always like that thing that he has, because I don't think he puts in... I, I still don't think he puts in the ground that we need for to execute our style of play brilliantly. But what he is very good at is standing still. And as... The old adage goes, standing still on the football pitch is often one of the hardest things to do. And you see from his goals, he finds space, and he was he, he was a useful addition. I think you're a bit harsh, and I came to you deliberately knowing you're not a big Yaya fan. But Steve, put a, put, us in, put this into perspective. Here. Who is this guy, and can we have him every week? Exactly. Um, I think there are certain, there's certain uses for Yaya, I think, this season, and I think Pep's found one of them, which is when we've got a game against an opposition that are going to try and defend like Bilio, he has a way of opening them up, and it gives us an opportunity to rest some of the other midfield players that are probably, as Dave was alluding to, probably a bit more dynamic. He's lost eight kilograms, and I have to say, the big fat lazy ass that we've been used to seeing for most of last season just wasn't there. He looked, he looked fitter, and he looked leaner, and he just he, he looked the part. I thought he did look a lot fitter, but I think the the one thing that he's always had and still showed was how great his passing is. I mean, you can say what you want about yeah. his um, standing still, but I think there aren't many players who can pass the ball like him um, and, and hold he, people off as well. Yeah. He's strong, and I don't see that he's like oh like the answer to any problems that we may or may not have. But it's great to have him back in the squad as an option for games like that when we've got an away match in the Champions League a few days later. And I, I just think what what a, what a great thing to have him back and available to play. Um, thank you, Dimitri. Yeah. 
So Dimitri's not apologised, has he? But Yaya yeah, no. yeah, yeah has, I think. So yeah. it's okay then, now, isn't it? Same so, thing. Exactly, same thing. <laughs> Who is Dimitri anyway? We don't need him, do we? But uh, I think you're a bit hard. I'm going to come back to you, Doug. I think you've been a bit harsh here. What, what, what's, what's your problem with Yaya? He's been a legend. I mean, Steve, you know, to talk us through two of your favourite goals. I'll give you some thinking time here, Mr. Hodgson. Okay. Just uh, talk about that and um, just talk about Yaya's goals for okay, a second. Okay, t- 2011 in the semi-final of the FA Cup against the Red Scum um, where we were struggling to get in front of goal and Yaya breaks through, puts the ball in the back of the net. That's one goal I absolutely love. And then you've really got to look to the final that year. You know, stood there up in the stands and you see Yaya fashion something out of nothing. We struggled till then to actually get through Stoke. And do you know that that moment that goal meant everything to me. I'd spent years and years and years watching City. We weren't winning anything whatsoever. And it, at that point, it looked like we, we couldn't lose that game after he'd scored. And that year when we won the Premier League, those surging runs from midfield like nobody we've ever seen for years. Come on, stop being miserable. Stop right. being miserable, Dave Hodgson. I'm afraid I can't do that. I will never deny... <laughs> <laughs> I, I will never deny that Yaya Torre has conjured some brilliant moments but for me he falls in exactly the same camp as Carlos Tevez another player conjured up some brilliant moments brilliant performances attitude at key moments will mean he can never quite hit the legend category look Yaya Torre will be remembered as a player who was critical in some key parts of our club's history but I, I wouldn't say you know particularly now he's not someone you want when you don't have that much of the ball when the chips are down it was it was the right game for him to play and fair play to Pep for picking him for it. But if it had been a case where we were being, where we were struggling to regain possession, needed to track back a little more, he's not the player for that game. And that's generally been what that central midfield role has required, what Gundogan has executed perfectly. I mean, there aren't many City players who have two songs, of course, aren't there? You know, so we've got, and we sang them both with great heart uh, at the weekend. You know, we've obviously got the Ya Ya and Colo song, and then we've got the, you know, shall we pay him some more? So I can't think of another City player with two songs. I maybe should have asked you, know, asked you to prepare for that question. But anyway, um, I, I loved it, and I thought it was great having him back. He looked a different player. Someone near me suggested maybe we should kind of wrap him in cotton wool for the next six, six months, because if that's how he plays when he comes back after six months, and maybe just wheel him out for the Champions League final, maybe? That, that, that was a night. He can't. He's not. He's you need not, to register him exactly, first. You can't do that, because he's not registered. Quite right. Um, so let's sort of just talk beyond Yaya and, and the game itself, and just wanted to, uh, and we have to mention Company, of course, who we thought, and, and at least I think you tweeted about it thinking well it's okay it's only concussion but we we hear tonight just literally before we came on air that this is knee ligament damage and he's off to Barcelona to the clinic that Pep prefers everybody to go to and this is not great news is it? No I mean I'm well known for my medical skills especially watching over the TV um, yeah it's not good um, and I think although it's something completely different and just looks very unlucky I think it's unfortunately probably the beginning of the end for him at City because by the time he comes back I just I, I don't think I, I already thought that Guardiola couldn't necessarily rely on him being a constant and I think this is just going to make that even more of a problem in Guardiola's mind and he's going to be replaced ultimately and it's it's sad it's really sad and it's such a shame that there have been just so many injuries firstly one recurring thing and now something completely different and it, it yeah 
Sometimes. I, mean, I have to say, and I, I looked out for it particularly because, as you probably know, that the dressing rooms are in the far corner from where the away fans are. And, and company, when he went off at the halfway line, then had to walk past, you know, 50 metres of, of uh, Palace fans. And I have to say, a huge number of them applauded him off, which I thought was really sporting. And in this day and age, it tends to be they're so partisan supporters, but I thought it was wonderful. That uh, that they gave him the kind of the great reception because he's a, he's, he's a great professional, he's a great footballer, and uh, it was nice to see the Palace fans give him that sort of centre. But it, but it's it's not great news, is it, Steve? No, it's not. I, th- I don't think he's he's played a full game now, probably almost for a year. I think um, I can't remember the exact point that he got injured, but he's been injured for quite some quite some time. Um, I feel sorry for him because when he's actually on the pitch and fit, he gives his all. He's a bit like a Zabaleta type character where you cut him down the middle and it says Man City and we'll be missed. I prepared to put my neck on the line and say that company, you'd probably have him, having said that uh, Yaya is not in the legend category, I suspect you might say company's close to it. Would you say that? Unequivocally. Good. He's in, he is probably the one defender I could properly describe. You know, I grew up watching Paolo Maldini and remember thinking he was imperious, so good on the ball, nothing ruffled him. On his day, he led from the back, dictated everything that went on around him and gave everyone that confidence around him. Company's one of the very, very few players I've seen replicate that since. It's, it's a crying shame, and I just hope that if... This is the end of his regular playing days. We keep him around as an influence and ultimately groom him to be a member of the backroom staff, if not a manager, because you can see that he has those skills in spades. Favourite company moment? Anybody sort of got any thoughts? Scoring the header against United the first year we won the Premier League. He seemed to quite enjoy it as well. He jumped about nine metres in the air, didn't he, in celebration. uh, That was some header. Um, any others? That's, that probably is the one no, that stands that, out, isn't it, I suppose? That, that sticks in the mind, that one. Um, uh, Sanya was back as well. Um, played all right. Good to have him back. We've, kind of, we've struggled at full-back this season, so it's good to have Sanya back and, and looking pre- pretty solid. Absolutely. He's, he's been a real... You know, particularly last season was a real standout performer. I think he is that wonderful combination of solid at the back great going forward and seems to be ageless as well. We forget this is the oldest of our old full-back um, squad and he he still manages to bomb up and down strong quick I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan I'm a big fan uh, and Zabba as well I know you're a huge fan of Zabba's as well but he's it, it I, I can't even I can't even say it because it saddens me to say he's he's past his best isn't he and I, you have to say he was at fault for the goal as well I guess too yeah, he's he is past his best, but you know, I still love the bloke to bits. To be fair, <laughs> he's another one who really ought to we ought to be looking towards grooming into being backroom staff because he he he's just got the right grit, the determination, and and people will sort of rally around him. I I think that the thing with Zabaleta is that he is past his best and occasionally puts in a decent performance, but obviously wasn't intended to play as long as he did. And I don't know whether why Clichy wasn't on the bench, um, but that, I would have preferred that substitution. But it wasn't an option, so he was the only he had to come on. Um, but yeah, I think it showed why he wasn't starting. So. I mean, and you said before, Lisa, he's, Pep had one eye on the on the Bruce Emotion Gladbach game, which we'll obviously will will come on to anyway. Um, you, you're, you're not a huge fan of Zabba, or was it the fact that I just saw you screw your face up? Is it because you don't see him being groomed for management, or is it just you're you, you, you're less impressed with Zabba? I'm, I'm a huge fan of Zabaleta. He is, you know, he's 
you know bleeds blue and particularly in the era where we have many many mercenaries he's one who we could all sort of rally around as a sort of focal point for the fans no what I'm saying is he he you know will run through a wall for Manchester City but I don't necessarily see that you know what what you see with company that sort of you know incredibly cool thinking calm logical the, the thing that's going to make a, a manager of Zabaleta but he you know he, he he's he's in the legend camp I think it's fair to say when Punchin hacked him down um, he, he didn't exactly come across as being calm. You know, I've not quite seen him like that, but it happened just in front of me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he ran to get in position and punch and just, just kicked him. He just kicked him. And I think we've heard tonight that the FA are just not going to press any charges and uh, shock horror, but I just read it before before coming on air. And, uh, yeah, not taking no action at all. But it was uh, pretty cynical, wasn't it? Yeah, completely. There was n- nothing else about it. I, I can't believe they're not taking... Well, I can believe they're not taking any action. Um, they need to become a little bit more consistent with the way they deal with things like that. Because if it was a Manchester City FC player, we suspect they might well be taking some action. Or are we just sort of looking through our sky-blue spectacles here? Would you, would you have sent him off for it? Uh, if I'd seen it, I think there's no question it was absolutely a sending off offence. I thought it was, it was cynical, uh, it was deliberate, and it was absolutely horrendous. It was just, it was, you know, just, I couldn't believe it. We were absolutely incensed. And I just, clearly, I don't think the referee could have seen it. And I, I don't quite understand now why the FA, clearly they must have looked at the video evidence, and, and even now they're not taking action. So I've, I've only seen the headline, to be fair, so I don't know if there's anything behind that, of any reason. If it's all to do with, you know, the referee didn't see it, therefore we can't take action. I don't know, I don't understand this stuff. But it was, it was cynical and it was nasty. I'll be honest, my initial thought was booking on that one I thought you thought it, it was a trip rather than a kick yes okay. I thought it was him it, you know if, if he'd been clean through on goal mm. maybe he wasn't if it was you know it's, it's what's the whole thing careless reckless and excessive force yeah. it was it was reckless I don't think it was you know a, a two footed lunge or studs up or anything like that it was a yellow card and it would be you do that again and you're in serious trouble but you know they can't, they can't give yellow cards retrospectively yeah. you know it's I, I, I you know I need to see it again but I find myself on the FA side with this one. Two other players I want to just highlight as well. One's Nolito. I'm, I'm fascinated by Nolito and I, I was at the game actually with one of our regular guests, Graham Reed, who rather nicely described him. He said, if you'd come off the game, off the pitch, having played against Nolito, you would describe him as, as a, an annoying wasp that was kind of there the whole time, you know, buzzing around and running and, and he just seems, you know, aggressive and fast and, and he's not the most natural, talented footballer, I don't think, but he works hard and, and popular with the fans for that and anybody got a particular view on Alito and how he's settling into the side well, Steve? I, I like the fact that he, you say he's not got any particular skill but I actually find him pretty useful up front I mean he, he's scored a few goals this season he's made a few goals this season he seems to make the right choices and I think that's a skill and aptitude that we, we really need in in our team um, Pep seems to recognise that it's pl- about players recognising what's in front of them playing what's in front of them and actually dealing with it and he seems to be that kind of player but you're right he's got that bit of fizz and buzz about him a bit like a Paul Dickov but mm. damn sight more skillful Nelito fan not a legend yet it's fair to say Steve <laughs> certainly fair um, I'd say he's he's tactically tactically the way he plays is Guardiola through and through yeah. You know, he, he. I think that's partly why Guardiola bought him in. He plays that, you know, role on, wide in a four-three-three very well. I think he's a exceptional player for us to have to facilitate the formation he wants to play. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he's, 
he's definitely been more effective um, on the wing than some people, uh, even though I am an Navas fan. Um, I can't think you can argue that he's contributed more than, than Navas had in the previous season. Certainly in the goal-scoring front. Definitely, and, and yeah, and... I don't think sometimes I, I watch him and think he's running around a bit like a headless chicken um, but at the same time we need a squad of players who can do the best in the games that they're played in and I think he, he has done that generally so uh, and the other one I've written down is, is KDB who I don't think he had his best game in fact it wasn't a great game <clears throat> period was it but uh, champions often sort of need to win games like this when they're not playing that well but KDB I, I understand he's had more assists than any other player in the Premier League that's seven assists he's had this season because the second goal obviously was, was made by him so he, he's continuing to influence yeah, he does. I think he, he 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 may not always be the best performer on the pitch, but nine times out of ten, he gives you a really, really good performance. I've not seen a bad performance from him yet. I've seen ones where he's been a little bit more anonymous than others, but the upshot of it is he's always involved in the game somehow. I think the thing with De Bruyne is De Bruyne does not need to be at his best for opponents to start giving to start marking him tightly, making space for others. He has an aura. People people are afraid of him. People know what he can do. And you can't give him any space. You can't let him run at you. People, people have to change their game to facilitate dealing with him. And that is so valuable. Yeah, I don't think any of the front players really played wonderfully. But you know that he can always come up with something. And, and to have that on the pitch is, is invaluable. All right. Well, so much for the game at the weekend. Uh, and we'll be back to discuss a little bit more after the short break. software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone managed service team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. Well, welcome back. Uh, Can I kick off the second part with the no sex after midnight? Uh, moment please because clearly it's working for you Steve because I think you're looking sharp and you're Thank articulate you. and I think you're really performing at your best so it must well be working in the, in the Cox household as well probably I would say <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange thing to have come out I mean I'm surprised at Nasri having brought something like that out into the public domain it does sound a, a little bit as though he's trying to stir up a bit of a hornet's nest or something there somewhere along the line does anyone else think Mrs Nasri might have passed the message on from Guardiola <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I thought I had to mention it tonight. And I'm not going any further with that. We'll move on. Um, Can we talk then about um, the German side, as they're now known, which I think is wonderful, Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. So a point tomorrow will seal qualification. Um, Will they go just the point, do you think? Or we're going all out to win this one. They're not having a great time at the moment, are they? I think they're 13th in the Bundesliga. So they're they're struggling to score. Um, They're a bit rubbish at the back so they're there for the taking I'd like, to, I'd like to think we're going out for the win I don't think there'll be many games that Guardiola goes out to draw to be honest I don't think that's really the way he does things sometimes I wish he did a bit more but um, and th- I don't see why we, we should I think if we if we go out to draw I think we've, we're far more likely the way we're playing at the moment I think we're far more likely to end up losing so I'd rather that they just try to, to win it and if we get a draw then fine 
because we are vulnerable at the back aren't we still we we do always look as though it's going to be difficult to keep a clean sheet so you'd like to think agree with Lisa that we'll we'll be all out for a win against the German side you'd hope they are struggling a bit they're not um, yeah they, they we forget they've lost their best player in Granit Xhaka um, during the summer I think they're still struggling to adapt to dealing without him I think I think we but, you know they're there for the taking I'll be absolutely furious if we don't take at least one point from our last two Champions League games I think I, I'm I'm feeling reasonably confident about that one have a confident glow there do you absolutely I always have a confident glow Nigel um, no I think it, it, we beat them 4-0 at, at our place and, and I think that that suggests that there, there's there's some need for us to go out and get some goals tomorrow and I think we just need we need to get this qualification over and done as soon as possible three points tomorrow that'll do it and in terms of the side, obviously, uh, as we said before, the sort of setup he had at the weekend at Palace has allowed him to rest a few players. Some didn't yeah. even travel. Yeah. Um, Stone, so, so Stones, Clichy, Gundawan um, didn't travel at all. And, and you know, they were players that normally they're an absolute shoe in for the first team. So I think he's rested the right players. Possibly could have rested maybe one or two others, but. And anybody, any thoughts on the lineup of who he's going to? We've got Mafio going to come back in for this European game. He's travelled. I saw he's in the squad. He's on the plane. So, uh, any other any other thoughts in terms of who he might be? The, the setup is he going to play three at the back, for example? Or Dave, thoughts? One point I'm going to make just from the game on Saturday maybe may affect his choice for um, for Wednesday. I think Bravo was at fault again for the goal. I think there's got to be some questions going through his head now about. Do we try Caballero a bit more in other games to see whether the defence worked better with him? Um, I'd be interested to see if he does that, because I think Caballero acquitted himself very well in the Barcelona game. I think he's looked better in the games he's played. I'd be interested to see, and I wouldn't rule out him him choosing Caballero for that one. And so would, would you say that, to just going back to Dave's point, anybody agree that actually it was Bravo's Messiah? I would certainly say Zabaleta was more at fault. I'm not sure if he could have done a great deal with the, with the effort. Both. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, it's probably a combination. Uh, any other thoughts on on, on the lineup, Lisa? Um, well, I'm, I I don't think I don't know about Mafia. I don't think he'll start. Um, Gundogan will definitely play. Uh, Silva will start. So I don't. I mean, I think it. it he, whether he wants to, to go three at the back and start with, I don't know. Maybe Nolito and Sterling as well. The great thing, the great thing is, he's got options, hasn't he, Steve? Yeah, That's he's the got beauty. So of many <laughs> options, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I think it, it's whether he decides he's going to overload the midfield so that we've got a very attacking lineup is one possibility. But he could well equally go with a back four and and actually sort of have a, a reasonably balanced midfield. He might give Aguero a rest. Yeah, mm. he did look. He has he looked, looked a bit leggy. Yeah, and he has been. What well, was it in? He had games in South America. You know, just again, and you know, Aguero off the pace never looks quite it. And it would be nice to see Hinacho able to kick on, have a few more games. The one player I do really want to see start is Sane because he's played in Germany. He's played against this team. He probably knows them better than most players in our squad. And he, he really needs a good performance to show us what he can do. Um, okay. Um, before we uh, move on to sort of coming back to the Premier League, there is another topic I just want to, to raise, and, and I'll sort of preface this with, and I will put some photos up on on Twitter uh, uh, at the at City Podcast, uh, which is our Twitter handle. 
I was at the game, as I said, at Palace, and the number of kids and people standing on chairs and, and, and the, the recent press about safe standing, I just wanted to raise it because I think it's obviously something that's becoming uh, an issue for, for everybody. And, and just ask around the table your, your thoughts about that. You know, is the time right? Uh, clearly, we all have Hillsborough in our minds um, and so on. I think there'll be a huge, uh, certainly in Liverpool, there'll be a huge wave of people against bringing any sort of standing in. But standing there thinking, if anybody pushes me from the back, this is the most unsafe way to stand because we know away supporters, indeed a lot of home supporters, just stand. But you're standing on terraces that are designed for seats and have seats behind you and seats in front of you. And it just didn't feel very safe at all. And we talk about safe standing. So, so sorry to sort of go on a little bit, but just your, your thoughts in terms of, of safe standing and, and where you sit. I think it's, we need to have that debate and start having that debate. I think that, firstly, on the safety side they need to do something because you can't stop it's almost impossible to stop people from standing and the way it is as you say it isn't safe it doesn't feel safe when you're away matches and you're standing for the whole time but just some people can't stand for that length of time and they have no choice because everyone around them is is standing up or you, or if a child is too small they have to stand on a seat and i would understand the reluctance obviously especially from liverpool fans but other anyone else who who remembers hillsborough but things, I would like to think things have changed enough and people have learned enough from that 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 should not be something that would happen again. Obviously, there needs to be a change in the law, I believe, as well. We don't need to get into legalities here, but clearly we can't just say, well, let's start it tomorrow. But my, my suggestion would be that we look into that law, we change that law to allow us to do it, surely. It's got to be right. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess the first thing that needs to be defined is what is safe standing? What does that actually mean? You know, you, you look back to Hillsborough, we've mentioned it already. The upshot of that was not just the fact that people were standing, but the fact that too many people were allowed into the stand and it caused a crush. And that is absolutely wrong. There, there were a lot of catastrophic errors off the pitch before people even got into the ground that caused those kind of problems. I don't want to go into the whys and wherefores of it, but if we're talking about safe standing such as that that's implemented in Germany, where they have organised terraces, they have these seats that fold up in such a way so that you can actually stand safely, you make sure that that you don't overcrowd or overpopulate an area, then I I don't really have an issue with it. Because I think it's fair to say most supporters I I speak to, and I I take your point, Lisa, there'll be some people who who can't stand for that length of time, but most supporters actually enjoy standing when they go to games. But the beauty is, presumably, we can arrange our stadia where there will be some sitting and some standing. Yeah. I think it's, you know, certainly I would love and would always go to a standing area given the choice. And certainly I know our club have been visiting Celtic who have a safe standing area to look at ways of doing that. Um, I mean, again, you know, there's, there is a huge amount of support for it. Even certain members of the um, Hillsborough campaign have said that they would be um, open to d- the discussion being had about, about this. And indeed, the law that actually brought all this in came previously, was already well underway before the disaster happened in April 1989, what what effectively it is, you don't. It isn't a criminal liability to be standing, but the ground rules in most of these places stipulate that if you do so, you can be ejected. So what it has to what it has to do is for the the league systems themselves to encourage um, the conditions by which clubs can do this, but in very very clear confines. You know, in the way they've done in Germany, there's plenty of 
is it civil engineers what, what you can you know the, the designers of these things who have, who have got ways which they think are very very safe to do it what we have at the moment is a halfway house of you can only stand up if enough people around you are standing up in various states of drunkenness and precariousness and all that comes with it i think it's time there's a decision someone makes it and it's done safely and across the board um, and you talk about Celtic has anybody been to Celtic and sort of seen that obviously we've seen it on the box I think haven't we and it, and it does seem to create a hell of an atmosphere there but I've not actually seen it and it's, there are, so there are models both here and in Europe that, that we could look at and, and I think there is now a groundswell of an opinion and, and enough of a movement uh, and as Steve has very articulately said we need to take into consideration the lessons from Hillsborough of course uh, and uh, make sure that's all considered along with, with the view but I, I think it's, it's going to have to happen hasn't it surely I think yeah, it's the and no, nobody says it has to be the whole ground either. If you know the upshot of it is, you could start with making some safe standing areas, see how they go. You can always reverse that decision at some point in the future if it doesn't quite work out. But as long as there's plenty of opportunity for people to sit in areas and people to stand in other areas, then I don't see any reason why you couldn't do it. Okay. In a time where football is regularly criticised for drifting away from its fans, not allowing fan culture to develop, etc. This would be a wonderful way to try and re-engage people, try and bring back some of that atmosphere and bring the club and you know the club close to the fans. I think it will be a real real positive for the game. Well, well thank you for your for your contribution on that. Let, let's go back to the Premier League and would it be fair to say that we've got Arsenal, Chelsea, City, Liverpool and Spurs now being kind of in a sort of a, a group of their own if you like and, and the the Premier League title will be won by one of those five is I that kind of where we are I still wouldn't rule out United yeah. but yes you've always been a big disappointment to me Lisa mentioning them I have to yeah. say but I, are you I serious just, you yes really? I am serious I think it's unlikely because I think there's enough like you said there's enough teams slightly further ahead of them however um everyone's got a bit of a cock up in them so you never know and and I don't think they're they're not great but they're not that bad and no one is really tearing away ahead of everybody else I think it's really there. there is a lot of change in a lot of teams and they're one of them but and because of that I think that's why it's so tight at the top at the moment I, I said at the beginning of the season I thought Chelsea or, or United so you're still sick of me you're still thinking that, that, that... I, I, I think United less so now but I mean Ch- Chelsea obviously but Liverpool because they don't have your Chelsea and Liverpool really because they don't have European football um, we, I think we are still very unpredictable. I still think we could finish outside the top four, and I did say that at the beginning of the season. It's impossible to tell at the moment, but we've got a couple of fairly important games coming up. I think it's particularly Chelsea and, and Arsenal, and it, we really need to win both of those. I think it's that you're at that stage already. We've already lost to Tottenham, which I never think is ideal to lose to your nearest rivals, but... Um, now we're at that point where I, I, I don't think we can afford to not win those two home games coming up. Is it, is it those five or is it the six? Do you include those, those other people? Uh, I, look, at the end of the day, you can never rule them out. They've, they're a Mourinho side. Yes, they could easily internally combust as much as they could actually sort of pull their fingers out and, and, and go on a run and actually catch everybody up. So um, I agree with Lisa. I think what we need to be doing is putting, putting teams like Chelsea, Liverpool... Tottenham, Arsenal, we should be putting them to bed because it's three points we gain and three points they don't and that could be all important at the end of the season I think it's between us, Chelsea and Liverpool I think Tottenham have many frailties I, one of the ones I put up there Arsenal are Arsenal and um, they'll come fourth won't they? Yes, 
Well, as long as we don't, um, we don't ruin that wonderful pattern that had been built up. True. Um, and Manchester United, Jose Mourinho reminds me more of Alan Partridge each week, particularly now that you know they are now the unluckiest team in Britain. And I, I don't see who's going to score their goals because. Um, I think Mr. Ibrahimovic has imploded in some sort of ego supernova, and you've got this defence of just very average players. I, I don't, you know, I still think Pogba is a is going to prove to be a fantastic buy, but I don't look at Manchester United and see a title-winning side. Uh, you, you talk about you dismissing Spurs, who were pretty awesome against us, I have to say. They were, but they always are. <laughs> They've it's their problem has never been beating the big teams. It's been beating the smaller ones, and there's still some frailties in there. Again, I think they could launch a top four challenge, but title challenge, I don't see yet. And, and just sort of sort of bounce forward to the weekend against Burnley for us as well. Finally, before we sort of sign off, then Dave, and let's have some thoughts from everybody. Just about obviously we've got uh, the German side first, but then we uh, we go off to Burnley Turf Moor. Um, at the weekend thoughts on that should win but a very tough place to go very tough place to go lost last time we went there and they didn't play well last night but they generally put up a very you know formidable opposition much better at home very good manager defensively quite solid and a very good keeper yeah I can't can't add much to that to be fair yeah good team and we always historically we used to be their bogey team and we always used to thump them for for six or seven but i can't those days are long gone now so i I think we'd be lucky if we get away with a two one yeah i i think it will be a, a lot harder than i think a lot of people are thinking it's going to be yes they didn't play very well yesterday but we on west brom we don't play the way west brom plays so burnley aren't going to play against us in the same way they did they're at ho- against west brom they're at home they have a decent home record yeah i think we should win but it's definitely not a certainty the good the good thing about playing teams away really for us is that they may feel obliged to come out and attack and if they come out and attack that really plays into our hands but you know it depends well we shall see we've got uh, the german side on wednesday and burnley at the weekend and then we'll be back to discuss both of the things next week in the meantime huge thanks to steve cox to lisa rabinowitz and to dave hodgson this is nigel rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.